Praise God. Amen. All right. Um, who in here, at the start of the year, we had, um, is that, does, do I sound like okay out there to you guys? Okay. All right. Put out your saying list. As a church, we, every year we encourage people to write out things they're believing for. And I know a lot of you have had things, you're able to check off that list, right? And it's an encouragement when we get to hear other people and their testimonies about something God's done for them, that they've made progress in that area, right? So Miss Zella has, has told me she's got a, a testimony. So we're going to hear that. Now, Miss Zella, I know you're really long-winded. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Tell us what she got. Man, no, I am not long-winded. I know. <laughs> I was kidding. I'm not knowing. Um, I just thank God for this because it would be on, it was always on my sale list every year, and I believe God. So yesterday I got off from work and I went to my mailbox and I pulled out a letter. It was from my uh, student loan servicer. So when I, before I opened it, I expected, I said, okay, how many payments have I made and how much longer do I have to go? But when I opened it up, the first word I saw was congratulations. I was like, okay, hold on. I know this is not what I expect it to be. But I went on and I read it, said congratulations. You have qualified and your loans have been forgiven. So I was like, I didn't know, I was in shock and I was, praising the Lord and let me go call my sisters let me go call my sisters so I called them and I told them my testimony we praised the Lord together and amongst and I mean I was faithfully playing on my student loan but with the principal and all of the interest I looked on the back I said well let me make sure it's it's, it's true and it says zero you owe zero and it almost a hundred and sixty thousand was for, um, was, was forgiven was forgiven and the words out of the mouth of two or three witnesses I said let me go on the website and I went on the website and it said your account is in good standing with a smiley face and I took a picture with my camera so I thank God because Pastor said student loan and I claimed it thank you. praise God <laughs> hallelujah praise God Woo. that's now that's something. <laughs> but God, nothing's too big for God. Nothing's too big for so don't put your, put a limit on it. Think okay, well he can pay you five thousand dollar, you know, debt, but not a hundred and sixty thousand dollar debt. Amen. It's it's the same for God. Praise the Lord. That's that is encouraging. Amen. Praise the Lord. Alrighty, glory. Praise the Lord. All right. <laughs> Are we good? Okay. All right, I'm going to pray. Father God, we just thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, that we have this opportunity to come together, Lord, and we are just here uh, to be changed by your word, Father. We're here to be changed by your word. And so I pray that just as I minister, Lord, that you would give me unction from the Holy Spirit because it's the Spirit-inspired word that's going to cause change in our hearts. And I, I pray, Father God, that your word would find a place in our hearts to get root 
and to, to produce fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so when I've been up here, we've been talking about following in the footsteps of Jesus. And so I'm going to just keep on. I'm going to keep on with that. It's a, a little bit different today, but um, our text, excuse me, <clears throat> our text scripture is in Romans 8. If you want to just jot that down, Romans 8, 28 and 29, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. I, I read that yesterday. I'm like, wait, I've never seen it like that. It's not to those who are called according. It's those who are the called. We are the called. We are the chosen. Amen. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so that is our... Aim. That's our mandate, is to be conformed into the image of his son. And not be just a name-only Christian. Let's let it mean something. When, when someone hears you're a Christian, let it mean something. Amen? So that's, the, that's how we have a good testimony, is if our life is more and more. We're, none of us are perfect. We're all in different places, right, in our development. But it should mean something. People should see progress in our life. People should see a change in our life that we're no longer living like we used to live. We're no longer living like the world lives in a greater and greater degree, right? Amen. And I'm, I am ringing back here when I'm talking, so praise God. So just as a little recap, we've learned what did Jesus do? He was a student of the word. Remember when we were talking in Luke, in Luke 2, and it gives the whole account about his family. They went to Jerusalem. He was a child, right? They left. He wasn't with them. <laughs> they figured that out, right, a few days later. <laughs> um, but where was he? Where did they find him? They found him at church. They found him at church. And what he wasn't just sleeping on the back pew at church. He was... <laughs> now I realize how that sounds, but I wasn't meaning anything by that. Um, but he was learning. He was asking questions, and he was learning. He was interested in what the Word had to say. Amen. So much so, he was so engrossed in it. You know, his family was like, why were you not with us? And he said, well, don't you know? Oh, i got to be about my father's business. <laughs> you know? So we, that needs to be us. We need to be a student of the Word. And remember, it's revelation that we want. It's not just knowledge about what the Word says. But it's not head knowledge, but revelation knowledge. And revelation knowledge is when our heart understands. It's when our heart gets it. When it clicks inside. Amen? Brother Mark, when I talk, there's like a low... Mm, sorry. Y'all should be here at Praise Team Rehearsal sometimes. I'm like, okay, there's a little, you know, I'm like very specific. <laughs> okay, he sought the will of God. John 5, 30, it says he does, he's not interested in his own will, but interested in what God's will is. Remember, we're learning to be like Jesus. So we need to be interested in what God has to say about our life, about the plan he has for us. And, you know, take his counsel. When you're unsure about what to do, 
or you're thinking about going a different direction, when you're inclined to go talk to your, your mom or your sister, your friend, whoever, it's not wrong to talk to other people, right? But we should be more interested in what God has to say about it. And the only way we can do that is to actually go and spend time in prayer talking to him about it. Just, like, just talk to God. Prayer is not some religious thing. I mean, people make it to be religious, but it's talking to God. And you don't need to put on, he knows what you sound like. <laughs> he already knows what you sound like. So don't try to talk to him any different than you would talk to your friend. He already knows. He's like, why are you talking to me like that? You know? So what is God's will? You need to ask him. You need to talk to him about it, okay? Last time, we talked about how Jesus overcame temptation. I mean, in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it says, and just you can just jot it down, uh, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So whatever your temptations have been, whatever, you know, the world, Satan, just circumstances thrown in your path as a temptation, Jesus has already been tempted. And he, but he overcame. He did not sin. He did not yield to that temptation. Amen. So we're all tempted to do wrong things or say wrong things or think wrong things. But how did Jesus overcome? He overcame with the word. He, when Satan, when he was tempted in the wilderness, every one of those temptations, Jesus turned it right back and said, it is written. So he did not overcome temptation by just trying to think it away. If you're being tempted about something, it's, it's not going to do anything to make that temptation go away by just thinking, no, I'm not going to tell that lie. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, that doesn't make the temptation go away. Just, you, you can't think it away. So you need to answer it with the word. To do that, you have to actually know what is written. And so that, it's, the word's important. Knowing what's in the word is important. So that's where we've been up to this point. Praise God. So let it, let's go to John 15. We're going to talk about a little bit different aspect today. John 15. And I'm going to start in verse 9. Okay, it says in verse 9, it says, As, This is Jesus talking. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. He's going to tell us how. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Sometimes if we don't know how to do something in the Word, if we would just keep going, if we would just keep reading, it will answer the question. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This, okay, this is my commandment. 
<laughs> this is it. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. That, just that passage right there, there's so much you can get out of that passage. But, notice, he wants us to abide in his love, and to do that we must keep his commandments. And he says in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, the law of Moses, or the Ten Commandments, right? There are strict rules in there. And the whole purpose of the law was really to just prove you can't do it. I mean, you can't. Because it's, it was to point people to a need for a Savior. Okay, you notice he doesn't go through all of those Ten Commandments here. He just says, my commandment is to love one another. But that is the great commandment. If you love, if you're walking in love, you're not going to do all those things that the Ten Commandments says not to do. So our aim right here, our command, our, the command we're under is to love one another. It's to love God and to love one another. As he has loved us. Amen. And... He, he said, greater love has no one than this, to, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Amen. No greater love. Jesus laid down his life for us. That's, the, that's what he did. That's his example, is he laid down his life for us. And, in, you know, John, everyone knows John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? So God's demonstration of love is he gave, it was a sacrificial love. Amen? It was, he gave his most precious thing he had, something of great value. That, that is God's love, and that's what he's saying we must do. We must love with that kind of love. And I can hear you guys thinking here. I can hear you when it says, um, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Amen. Well, I can do that. I can lay down my life for my friends. <laughs> I can hear you. See, I just got to do it for my friends. No, no, you're, no, you're not excused. Let's, let's, let's look at Matthew here, Matthew 5. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> That's probably on tape. <laughs> Aren't babies cute? Babies are cute. All right, Matthew 5, <clears throat> verse 43. It says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. 
Do good to those who hate you. For those who spitefully... Oh, man. Those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? He said, like, even the tax collectors do that. <laughs> okay, so we're not excused. If someone's our enemy, we're not excused. When someone uses you, persecutes you, talks bad about you, to your face or behind your back, whatever, he, we are not excused. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So it's everyone. Everyone. And so we're going we're gonna to take a little rabbit trail now. Okay? And it's, it'll all make sense here in just a minute. So let's turn to Romans. Okay, Romans 5 is where we're going to land. Praise God. Now, back up, and we're not going to read all of Romans 4, but back in Romans 4, it's talking really about how we're not justified by works, but by faith. And it goes all that, and it talks about Abraham, how, you know, he was given a promise, he believed God, uh, but, you know, and it wasn't by his works, and, and that's important because there's, we, we should do good works. We should walk in what the Bible says. Amen. We should obey his commands. We should, but none of those things, we do that because we love him. Amen. And our lives are, are blessed when we do that. But our works are not going to save us. Doing good things is not going to save us. It's only by faith in him. Amen. So that's kind of what uh, chapter 4 in Romans is about. It's about we're not justified by works, but by faith. And so if you pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Through whom? So through Jesus also we have access now, this will this whole debunk the whole, you can, there's more than one way to God. It's, there's one way to God, is through Jesus. He's our access, amen. Okay, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Now, is anybody glorying in tribulations today? In tests and trials? Now, knowing that tribulation or tests and trials, they produce perseverance or patience. And patience, character, and character, hope. Verse 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so, I was reading on this, this passage and I was just kind of got stuck on this verse 5. Now, hope does not disappoint. Don't you? You should read with the intent of, let me just fully understand everything that's being said here. 
It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so I'm thinking, well, okay, hope does not disappoint because love has been, God's love has been poured out in our hearts. And I'm thinking, you know, what's love got to do with it? What does, what's love, what's love got to do with it? You know, what's love got to do with our hope? What's love got to do with it? I mean, I know love's important, but what's it got to do with our hope not being disappointed? So it's, it's here, and so there's a connection between our hope not being disappointed and the fact that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. There's a connection. Amen. So we shouldn't, you know, I've read that a million times, and so I just never really took the time to really think about it. Okay? So what is that connection? That hope's not going to be disappointed because his love has been poured out in our hearts. What, what is, what's love got to do? It's not a second-hand emotion. <laughs> so what's love got to do with it? It has everything to do with it. And we're going to see that. We're going to see why love has everything to do with your hope not being disappointed. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to say, you know, um, Pastor Chris, which he sends his love, by the way. <laughs> he misses you guys. He is on the road. He's, he's in Mississippi this morning, but he will be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed Wednesday night. Amen? Right here. Um, but he was talking about roadblocks to healing on Wednesday night, and he gave four reasons. Um, I'm going to say this right here, this Romans 5.5, 5, this right here, understanding this right here, or lack of understanding this right here, is a big roadblock. And it's, it's not just a roadblock to healing. It's a roadblock to being, laying hold of anything that you're believing for. Amen? It's why you haven't laid hold of something. This could be it right here, Romans 5.5. 5. And so we're going to see what love has to do with hope not being disappointed. Amen. So what is hope anyway? It, hope is an expectation. We like to use hope and faith. A lot of times we just use that interchangeably. But it's really not the same thing. Hope is an expectation. If you don't have hope for something, then you don't really need to use faith for it, right? So there is that. But hope is an expectation. In Hebrews 11, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you have to hope for something. The evidence of things not seen. Hope is an expectation, and your faith is the assurance. Amen? Our faith is evidence that we have what we cannot yet see. I mean, can you see your salvation, like out, out here? No. Uh, can, you can't? No. But we have faith, don't we? Yes. And our faith is such that we can say, when someone asks you, how do you know you're going to heaven? How do you know you're saved? And our faith inside tells us, I, don't, I just know. Right. 
right? I am assured on the inside that I'm going to heaven, that, I'm, that I've got a relationship with God. So that's what faith does. It's, in, it's our assurance. We may not see our healing yet, like outwardly, but our faith tells us it's already there. It's just maybe had not worked its way out into the natural yet. But, amen. So that's the difference between hope and faith. Hope is our expectation, but faith is the assurance that we already have it. Amen. So, and so still, what does love have to do with it? Well, let's look at Galatians. Turn to Galatians 5. This is what love has to do with it. Galatians 5, verse 6, it says this. For in Christ Jesus, are you in Christ today? Yes. And if you're not, you can be. You can be anytime. Just call on the Lord. Amen. Amen. It says, all that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Love is needed for your faith to work. So you you can think you're exercising faith for something, but it's like your car, you want to head a certain direction in your car, but you don't have any gas in it. Amen. Love, love is the fuel for your faith to work. Love is a necessary ingredient for your faith to work. And we and remember in Hebrews that we read that our, our faith is for what we hope for. Right now faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. If we don't have love, our faith's not going to work. Okay? But if we do, our faith is going to work. So going back to Romans 5, 5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. Amen? Amen. It's not talking about a human love. It's not talking, faith doesn't have to work by a human love. And thank God. (laughs) Thank God. Because human love, that feeling that we have, that is a second-hand emotion, you know? It could, it's fickle. Human love, it changes its mind. All the time. Human love is not consistent. And a lot of times, if we're tapping into our human love, well, some days we feel like doing, loving, and some days we don't. You know, some days you're just really getting on my nerves and I'm not going to keep it, keep it to myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to let you know about it. Well, that's human love does that. Amen. Amen. And so if we had to rely on our human love, that would mean that our faith can't be consistent. Because human love is not consistent. Amen. But the good news is that God's love never changes. And so when Romans 5, 5 says, now hope does not disappoint, and it's not going to be disappointed because of this. Your faith's going to work because the love of God, God's love, has been poured into your heart. 
by the Holy Spirit. So we don't, what we need to do is recognize, according to the Bible, God's love's in me. God, if you are a child of God, his love is on the inside of you. And we have to learn to yield to that. Amen? Amen. So the good news is, as long as you're flowing and walking in the love of God, your hope's not going to be disappointed. Because your faith's going to work. Amen? Maybe you all saw that already. I I just got a fresh... Remember Revelation? It just kind of hit me. Hey, yeah, I've read that a million times, but I didn't see it like that. My hope will not be disappointed because I'm going to yield to the love of God. I'm going to flow with... I'm going to walk in that love. And as I do that, the things that I have faith for and that I'm exercising faith for, that I'm believing for, it's going to work. It's going to work because it has the love of God as its fuel. Amen? So we have to yield to that, just like we yield to our spirit when we make right decisions. So how do you, how do you yield to the love of God? Same way, you know, you go and uh, your teacher asks you, you know, where's your homework? And inside you're, you're about to spit out, I didn't know there was any homework. <laughs> but something inside tells you, that's a lie. Don't say that. And so you, you check yourself. You, okay, and then you don't spit out that lie. Same way. You're going along. Someone throws up an insult to your face. You're about to react, right? Come on. And then something inside says, turn the other cheek. Okay, we yield to that. Okay. And you know, we don't always feel like yielding to the right thing. But you need to treat yourself like you're a child and just make it. Okay. A lot of times, you, you know that saying we always hear, Smith Wigglesworth quote, you know, he, he doesn't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels in the morning. He tells Smith Wigglesworth how. So I'm not going to ask Amber if I want to get into this argument with that person and just go back and forth. I'm, I'm going to tell Amber I'm not going to do that. So sometimes you've got to treat yourself like you're in third person. Amen. And so um, Brother Hagen gives us an example. Some of you all know this probably more thoroughly than I do, but it goes something like this. He was preaching about the love, love of God, and that how we're to walk in love. And someone came up to him, and I think it was about their mother-in-law. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to get most of the story right. <laughs> and she was just really having a hard time with this walking in love thing because she hates her mother-in-law. Yeah. She hates her with like a passion. And he's like, no, you don't. Right. She's like, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I know I do. And he's like, no, you don't. And, and she's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I do. Yeah. And um, he said, say, I hate my mother-in-law. And pay attention to what's going on in here when you say that. And so she did. I hate my mother-in-law. And she's like, and she's like yeah, it feels something like something. A little scratchy on there. You know when I say that? And he's like, that's because the love of God in there is saying that's not true. That's not truth. 
And so we may, we may have had it in our head, we just really hate somebody. But you know what, you do not, ha- if, you're, if you're really a child of God, you, you don't hate them, okay? You, have, you need to listen to what's good, because if you start talking, you hate somebody, if you would pay attention, yeah. on the inside of you, something's telling you, no, no you don't. Right. Now, you may not particularly prefer their company, <laughs> okay? You don't have to. You don't have to prefer everybody's company. You don't have to hang out with everybody. And people get on your nerves, okay? But you don't hate them, okay? You don't hate them. So God's love never changes. Um, so we know that faith works by that love. And without it, it won't. Amen? So we, we need to work to stay in that flow of love. God's love, not human love. And so, because we're under command. Jesus did not say, I just really suggest that you love other people. He didn't say that. You know... He, because that, with that kind of thought, he could have said, well, I'm going to go to the cross for them, but not for them. He didn't preface it with, I like them and I don't like them. So I'm not going to the cross for those people because I don't like them. No, he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah, so when someone is really just that thorn in your side, instead of jumping in that, right, maybe we just need to, God forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, right, darkness in the, in the heavenly. So we're, this, some of the things we face in opposition with other people is really not that person. It's, it's an influence. They're under the influence right. of something beyond them. Amen. That's maybe the enemy's using them. Amen. So we need to keep that in mind. Um, but the great thing is we have the love of God to tap into. And what does it look like? What does that love look like? It's giving. Remember he gave. He gave his only begotten son. How Would you like to give your only begotten child for the entire world, for people who may or may not choose to have a relationship with you. Who may say, you know, thanks a lot for sending Jesus, but you know, I, choose, I don't want anything to do with him. He, he didn't, he, he knew that there would be people that would reject him. But he gave his son anyway. Amen. It, it was not selfish. It's forgiving. God's love forgives. You notice anything he does for us, he expects us to extend that same grace and mercy to other people. He forgave us. He's willing to forgive you no matter what you've done. He's willing to forgive you. And he, he has, really. You just have to accept it, his forgiveness. Um, but he expects us to forgive other people. Amen. When we don't, it's like a slap in his face. Yes. Amen? Amen? What does the love of God do also? It, you know what? Love tells the truth. 
And this is Leah's question in mentoring the other night. It kind of made me think about this. And I've thought about this before. But love tells the truth. Yeah. And some, I think there's some confusion about how we're to love people who... Um, there's two sides to what I'm about to say. But, you know, you see somebody going in a destructive direction or in a life that a lifestyle or even just a direction that you know they're headed for destruction. Love, love tells the truth. When, you know, when someone's drowning, you throw them a lifeline. If that person could die, okay, you throw them a lifeline because you love them. You know, we don't, we don't beat them over the head with the flotation device. But we do offer it to them. Is that not right? How would it be if someone's drowning? Now, how, just think about it like this, okay? Someone's going to hell, okay? But we don't want to speak up and say anything. That maybe their life is taking them in a direction that's going to lead them straight to hell. But we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to make them mad. So we don't say anything. Okay. Compare that with someone's drowning in the lake. And you, but I don't want to hurt their feelings. And I don't know if they want my help or not. So I'm just not going to throw them a lifeline. If when you look at it like that, it's all of it's it's in the delivery. You know, you we have to be sensitive to these things. I mean, you you don't beat people up with the truth, but you do tell them the truth, and they can choose to grab hold or not. I mean, that's really not our whether or not they choose to accept the truth is not on us, but it is on us if we don't tell them the truth. And um, so, you know, we need to use discernment about how to tell someone the truth. Like, in, in something that's going to destroy their life. Amen. Okay? Um, and take them, like, to, straight to hell. We need to, we need to be discerning about it. Um, and when. There's a right place and a right time. Okay? And we just got to, we have to yield to, you know, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit on that. Um, Let's look at, uh, turn over to Ezekiel 3. And I'm, I'm not talking about like meddling in someone's life, about like, you know, you see they're doing something that's not right, but it's really not going to, it's not going to take them to hell. You know what I mean? It's like maybe it's your place and maybe it's your not, not your place in that instance. Um, Ezekiel three eighteen. God says here. He says, "When I," he's talking to Ezekiel. He says, "When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hands." So we, 
we do, we need to discern what to do in those situations where we see, like we feel, we shouldn't just hate what somebody's doing. You know, Jesus had compassion on people. Right? Um, and so we shouldn't come at telling the truth as I'm attacking that person. But we need to speak the truth in love. That's right. Amen. Amen. And, and tell them in, in the most loving way we can, hey, look, you know, I see you going this way and it's, it's going to lead you where you don't want to go. And I'm here to help you, and I'm here to pray with you. And, you know, this is what the Word says. God has forgiveness. God has life. God has a better way for you. Amen? Amen? Once we do that, once we give them the Word, it's on them. Amen? I, I think about always this. Uh, we need to not think about just that moment. Because we, we may never see that person again. There was a, when I was in college, um, there's, it was called the Commons. Everybody's been to university probably knows what I'm talking about. It's where you had the lounge and there's a bunch of restaurant type things. Anyway, <clears throat> there was this guy who, it, don't worry about it, Chris, because I was never interested. Anyway, <laughs> there was this guy that he would come and sit down and have lunch with me sometimes. And just talking or whatever. But in our talks, I could tell. I mean, he was like atheist. I could tell. I mean, he was a real nice guy and everything. Uh, but he was atheist openly about it. And we even had some conversations about it. And there were several times. I mean, he did this several times. He came in, sat down, lunch. We talked, and you could tell. We even had conversations about it. And a few times I, you know, I wanted to get the nerve up, and I just wasn't sure. What I thought was I didn't know enough. I didn't have scripture enough to sit there and lay out a whole argument to present my case. You know what I'm saying about Jesus? And so the last, the last time I saw him, I, I was like, you know what? I thought to myself, I'm going home. I'm going home, and I'm going to write it all out. I'm going to write down my whole point, my point. Here's, here's from here to Jesus at the cross and to the what, you know, all this. To try to win him over to Jesus, right? And... I went home that day and I did. I'd made this whole thing. You know what? I never saw him again. I never saw him again. And I think about that. And all I can do, you know, and I have, is, you know, pray that some, God would send somebody else across his path. But, you know, I had opportunity. Sometimes you may not know every little thing, every little answer to someone's question about Jesus or about what you're trying to witness to them about. But you know what? Whatever you do know, just speak what you do know. And God will use that as a seed because you may never see that person again. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So God forgive us those times we've missed it in not sharing. And who, you know, who cares what they think about you? In 10 years from now, who cares what they think about you? I would rather just speak the truth to somebody in love Maybe they're mad at me, maybe they're not, but you know what? I did what I could. Yeah, right. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise now, that was about someone, you're, they're going down a destructive path. Right. What about just generally speaking? You know, sometimes the love of God knows when to keep its mouth shut. Yeah. Doesn't the Bible say, be, uh, 
Swift to hear and slow to speak. We should live by that, you know. Anybody, you know, if you're real quick to just open your mouth and start speaking the first thing that comes to your head, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble with that. Because a lot of times we, later we go, why did I say all that? You know, I could have, the situation could have been diffused if you would have just kept your mouth shut. And you know what? Sometimes the other person may come around on their own if you would just keep your mouth shut. Praise God. We need to know, should I keep my mouth shut? Or should I be speaking the truth and love right here? You know what I mean? So, praise the Lord. Okay. 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to end right here. We're under the command to love. We, there's no excuse. There's no, uh, I, I don't have a pass to not love certain people. I'm not exempt from walking in love towards anyone. I don't have to like everybody, but I have to love everybody. And so check up on yourself because you need the love of God operating in your life for your faith to work. Amen. I mean, and I know y'all are believing for things. I'm believing for things. We need to always be checking up on ourselves in this area. Is there an area? And God will show you if you're out of love in a certain area of your life. Amen? Amen. What does it look like? And this is like, you should read this every morning. It's just... Verses 4 through 8. You should read it every day. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And just remind yourself of this throughout the day. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Love is not conceited. Y'all listen up. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. And I like in the Amplified, it says, love believes the best of every person. I mean, can't try to go throughout the day with that. Love believes the best of every person. Look, maybe they did you wrong. Maybe they don't even know they did you wrong. Okay, but if you're believing the best of it, you know, just believe, hey, they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, love believes the best of every person. I've had, um, this is one of those you have to kind of, you know, make yourself do. You know, love believes, the, you know, what's the, I'm, I'm tempted to get really critical in this area. Okay, now how would love believe the best in this situation? Okay. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in, in, in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It doesn't take pleasure when other people fall. Right. Doesn't take pleasure when someone else, you know, gets taken down a few notches. Amen. Love bears all things. It believes all things. Hopes all things and endures all things. Love never fails. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So... Are you, you going to go out today with, keep this in front of you. Yeah. Am I walking in the love of God? If I'm not, forget your saying list. <laughs> you can forget that saying list until you're walking in the love of God. 
Praise God. Because your faith's not going to work without it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, did I help you today? Y'all helped it. The Word helps us. The Word helps us. Praise the Lord. Well, Father God, we just love you today. I thank you, Father, that your word is what makes the change in our lives. And I thank you as we go forth today that uh, you'll just bring it to our remembrance. Every time we're tempted to just pop off a, a word here or there or act out of love, Father God, I thank you that you're reminding us, Father, that your love doesn't act that way. Praise you, Lord. And I thank you that we have the help of the Holy Spirit to help us to know how to react in different situations, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. And if there's anyone here that does not know Jesus, I just want to offer an opportunity to call on his name today. If you uh, are hearing about this love and abiding in the love of God, but realize, look, you know, I don't have the love of God on the inside of me because I don't know Jesus, but you would like to today. Just raise your hand, and we will, and I'd like to see you raise your hand, and we'll just pray for you. I'll pray with you. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross for us, that he died for our sins, Lord, that we would live for you, that we would live in your kingdom. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. All right. Praise God. You guys can stand.